0: drank the dark
1: clouds deeper and ran the wild moon hunting, alive with fur and feather as elmen apparition. We left the moon suspended and leapt back onto the ground. Hello and welcome to the Antipodean Arts Podcast. This is episode 24.
2: So as always, we begin by noticing breath, and in noticing breath, becoming deeply aware that we are deeply enfolded into place. And I am in the unceded sovereign territories of the Yagara, Jagra and Terrible peoples. I am not far from the Mewa, the Great River so-called Brisbane River that undulates through this holy land and is holy in and of itself. I'm also very close to a hospital. So that giant helicopter sound, that's the reality that I live under. And I acknowledge the elders past, present and emerging and all the spirits of this place. How are you Brodianne?
1: I love, I'm all, well, no, I'm not all right, but that's, that's okay. I'm getting to that place. I've, yeah, it's been a tough week since I spoke to you last. So I'm just, I'm here. I have to say I, today is electric in Brisbane. It, it's, it's so funny that outside, um, the turning of the wheel the wind this cool breeze coming through my my garden my plants turning things changing it feels there's like a quickening again and i i'm really enjoying that and i'm taking solace in that today so i've had a beautiful walk and done some stuff in my garden so i'm i'm feeling really good now feeling lucky for that privilege being able to go for a walk and have a house big enough to have some like some garden and um, some space to, to be outside and take my dog for a walk and things like that so I'm very lucky how about you Bob what's going on
2: Oh God honestly <laughs> I am, look I am very grateful for the reality that my work has not decreased that I, yep. that, I that I have you know, my income, that I have access to purposeful work, that I feel like I'm contributing to people's lives and my own life in doing so. And but and what that also means is that I'm on Zoom constantly. Mm But but and what the the I'm using and working with Zoom as a platform to do like powerful fucking shit constantly. And I and I work with like amazing witches and spirit workers and Chinese medical practitioners and people who are, you know, nurses and teachers and people who are farmers. And But it's also heartbreaking because some of the people I work with have had to fire all their people and their businesses are collapsing, like businesses that are good, that give to the earth, that mm-hmm. are in solidarity with the values that I love and they love. And So Absolutely. there's a lot of pain and, and also I'm just doing my thing. Like I keep hearing from my spirits and ancestors, like, just do the thing that you are here to do and keep doing yep. it well and keep doing it well and keep doing it well. Yep. And I, I, that's, that's all I have.
1: Yeah. I've been feeling that undercurrent too. Thank God. And that, you know, my nanas in my ear being like, don't be a lazy shit get, you know, go on, go and bake something, go and check on a neighbor. Go, you know, I, yeah, they're, they're in my ear and I feel this, yeah, drive to do, do more. But I've also yeah, fighting, fighting through my anxiety and my depression. So it's a, it's a balancing act. But yeah, I'm so happy to see your face and to hear your beautiful voice. And I'm really, I was really, really looking forward to um, catching up today and doing our podcast. Because I, then when I found out who we were going to be speaking to, I was very excited. So um, yeah. It's. It gave me something to look forward to. We've been doing this for a year, Brodiean. Holy moly! A
2: fucking year. The world was a very different place 12 months ago.
1: It was, but did we not? I mean, I feel as though we've been from the start. There was a lot going on. That's right. There's never been a quiet month, like. Yeah, whether it was you know not these are little things, but whether it was politics at the time or right. the uh, Australian election, or, or and then the bushfires and um, you know people in detention and people in in um, yeah, it's it's been a time. So it's been a hell of a year to to start this project with you. <laughs> That's
2: right, and <laughs> a friend it of mine was a
1: blessing as well because. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's been wonderful.
2: A friend of mine was telling me that they were listening to an earlier podcast of ours. Maybe it was the first or the second podcast, and I had forgotten about it, of course, and they were telling me only recently that they were listening to one of our divinations from back in May or June, and we had pulled up The Emperor and The Tower, and we were talking about the collapse of systems of empire. and
1: The death of the patriarch. yeah.
2: And I was like, "Oh, were we?" <laughs>
1: gets worse. Gets better. <laughs> Shut your mouth.
2: Uh-huh. Anyway, without further banter, or let's get into some more focused banter. Let's friends. I yeah, we have this amazing guest on our twenty fourth episode. Um, I have known this person since Cloudcatcher Witch Camp twenty fourteen. Um, when we met and shared just love of Aradia, and because uh, that was one of the beings that was connected to the work of that camp, and this is this is Suzanne Ray, and um, in the six years it feels longer, but yeah, so in the six years I've known Suzanne, it's I have amazing. always been very just in awe of like her capacity to do and express and be very human and very excellent. They are someone who teaches in the reclaiming tradition of witchcraft. They are a, t- a teacher of yoga and Buddhist meditation. Um, they facilitated the community labyrinth that is, that is in Campbelltown and Darawal country in New South Wales. Um, she has been a nurse and a visual arts teacher and, you know is still a parent and has raised kids and um spent a lot of time in a women's home like a women's collective in adelaide and comes from a very cool family with very interesting people and i just really 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 adore suzanne so suzanne welcome to the antipodean arts
1: podcast
0: welcome Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. I, it's so nice of you to invite me on. I've been listening, not to every episode, but lots of episodes, and it's a real honour and pleasure to um, share whatever I can. Oh, goodness yeah. knows. I feel very, very ordinary and humble when people talk to me about what what Theo just uh, described. I went, oh, God, who's that? <laughs> It's you, and yet it's true, <laughs> but do you, you know just before we start, I just also would like to acknowledge that today is I'm on Darryl land and today is the anniversary of the massacre of the Daryl people and I've just forgotten the year, but it's about nearly two hundred years ago, two hundred two years ago, I think and it was the first state sanctioned massacre of indigenous people in on this in this country and um today's the anniversary of that day and that's something that's really significant and important to me and underlines a lot of of what I what I do i think yeah
1: uh, thank you so much for making us aware of it and that we can acknowledge it hopefully to a broader community and we can all take a moment to acknowledge that
0: mm-hmm. mm. yeah it's an it's an important thing and it's a it's a it's a it's a thread that is through all of our lives I think here in Australia and other and other colonized countries and it is something that I've only become aware of as I've been older, as an older adult. I didn't even know about it when I grew up here. And I think, you know, there's so many. There's That's so much the story of this land that we don't know what, the the stories and the histories of it, um, and that's really, really sad and disappointing and annoying and frustrating. And, uh, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. I I agree. I think that if we are not aware of this sorry business and if we do not, you know, as people who descend from settlers and colonizers especially, if we do not bring our attention fully to that, then we cannot be a part of restoration of justice.
0: Mm. Yeah. Um
2: so thank you very much. And I think that is that the Appen the Appen Massacre?
0: Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah, yeah. You know, if people yeah. want
2: to research and look yeah. into that and um so Suzanne Ray, I mean, I always love talking to you because I just feel like I learned something new about you every time. And I do. And there's just, <laughs> you have such a cornucopia of experiences. And I guess I think what our listeners would love, like uh, what I notice is a pattern um, for our listeners is they love to hear personal stories about how people got into their thing. Right. So yeah. like you are deeply in so many things, um, mm. witchcraft, Buddhism, yoga, uh, like mm-hmm. you're a chaplain too. You've mm. done just, you've just done so much stuff. Like what, Bring what brought you to magic, what brought you to realize that you are a witch, what brought you to Buddhism. Like, I just, I, I'm sure we all want to hear a bit about that—the the in, the formative years of Susanne mm-hmm.
0: right? mm-hmm. Well, it's when you uh, asked me to do this, it, I started to think about those things, and it's interesting that I'm actually, I'm talking to you from my um, parents' house. And I'm actually sitting in the exact same space where my bed was when I was a teenager. And so I'm looking out at the same trees that were planted and grown there that are now much larger. And I'm also looking out the back window and notice that um, there's now Buddhist flags flying in the garden that my father asked me to put up for him. Anyway. (laughs) So So I I thought that's really interesting. I grew up um, out in the the country in a place called Bingra in northwest New South Wales um, on Mile Creek, which is actually interestingly the first uh, time that white people were prosecuted for an Aboriginal massacre. So there's a beautiful memorial, memorial there if you ever wanted to go there. And I grew up there. I grew up there wandering the land. My mother had to take my shoes off because of my wanderings. I would wander off into the paddocks, into the sheep, into the wherever. I've always loved dirt. I've always connected to fairies and to the land ever since. You know, I was tiny and um, animals and plants had been my friends and buddies. So that was just who I was. I grew up in my, with my family. My father's very, he was a conservationist before there was conservationists and so uh, we were always find, finding out about plants and trees and things and even this morning he was showing me a butterfly. On a plant, so the that connection with nature and the land has always been there, as well as politics and injustice. And he was a union organizer, so that thread was flowing always through my existence. However, I was always the odd person in my family because I saw fairies and spirits and things like that, and my family were rationalists and scientists. So part of me is scientists. I can work with that and I have worked with that in my life. But the other part of me is much more intuitive and going with um, uh, animals and plants. I was always rescuing kittens off the street and things like that and um, was much more uh, connected to that intuitive side. My grandmother was, and that line that I come from, over my mum's line were intuitive uh, you know they were witches i think in the in the distant past but they were very intuitive and she taught me a lot of magic indirectly and a lot of connection with a lot of um don't do this or don't, you know a lot of how dare you know don't don't bother the spirits don't or, so it was a, made it a bit scary for me when i was little so they I used to see fairies when I was little and my brothers would laugh at me. You know, and things like that, but they're still there and they're still part of my life. They're still bouncing around and jumping around and being being present. So that's like the formation of my very young self and stuff and when when I was about 14 or so I started to identify that there was this Thing about witches I read about the witch burnings I read about and I felt really connected to that that was something oh that this is a thread that's humming in me so I would um, so I followed that and and went to, used to always go to fancy dress parties as a witch and 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 I taught myself palm reading and all, all these things uh, in fact I was banned when I was doing, banned by my friends from the local library when we were studying for the HSC because I've been gifted with a brain that I doesn't need to study too much or anything. So I used to try and read their palms, right, and they had to ban me because I was too distracting <laughs> doing witchy things. Anyway, that was all fun. Um, so, you know, I've always that's always been a part of me as far as a thread that I can ever remember. When
2: and, did, when did you know that it was real though, outside of yourself? Like where, what were the events or the conversations or the insights that when you met other people you were like, Oh, people call themselves witches. There were witches in the world. Like when yeah. did, how did that come about?
0: Yeah. So that, that came in Later in my life, in um, so I finished high school in 1974, and 1975 I think was International Women's Year, and I I or and I went to and so there was this emerging feminist movement happening, and um and I was at uni, and so I started to hook up with not only with other. Witches, the witches came second, but first of all, there are the feminists, there are the women who spoke and thought things that, like I did and I, I, got, I got involved in the women's movement as soon as I walked into the university, which meant that I didn't finish my degree because I was anti the establishment. I didn't want to infect my brain with this sort of rubbish and bullshit. And be- so I, I went to... Um, uh, Armadale to do my teacher training and that's when I started to read um, things like I found uh, feminist writings about spirituality and witches and 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 so I started looking I started looking for them took me a few years to find them but it took but I, I when I ended up in Adelaide I found some people who were um, it is singing the same songs really yeah but it took me a while to find them I, I was reading about them but um yeah so at, at that time I also started getting into um Judaism and into um yoga teaching myself yoga and meditation and um and uh and reading about Druidism so Along, it's been in in many ways solid, It's been a very solitary journey that I've had in finding the witches. <laughs> Me too, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I, I understand um, what you mean though. It's I don't, I still think of myself as solitary, even though I've met so many wonderful friends, and I really, I think it's that that pull to to celebrate certain. Um, festivals or equinoxes and things with with other witches there really isn't anything like it there's a reason we go on and on about being in a circle together Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's pretty pretty um i have no potent there's no there's (laughs) not quite like it once you've done it so um but yeah i was i was wanting to ask you about you was talking about your um you know, introduction to yoga and it's something that a lot of people, um, find to be a huge component of their spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm personally not that great at it. I found myself doing Tai Chi because I can't sit still enough. I'd be the worst Suzanne, you'd be, I'd be a nightmare in your class. <laughs> <laughs> but often I found myself when I was talking to, uh, muggles or I was talking to, to people who didn't quite understand what I did. I often found myself when I was, uh, naive, uh, talking about how, um, witchcraft, my witchcraft or what I was trying to do was close, were closer to Buddhism than it was to Christianity. And it was Mm -hmm. something that at least allowed me to explain a little bit what, what I was interested in, in a way that I thought was less, frightening for people. What what similarities do you find between Buddhism and, and your witchcraft practice? And I'm sure for you now it's probably all one in some ways, but what do you think are the things that we most have um, in common?
0: With Buddhism and witchcraft? Yeah. Uh, so the reason why I've never been able to s- separate those two parts, I have to hold, I hold both of them because they both give me something different. And the Buddhism gives me a practice, a set of practices that really drop me deeply into my um, self, and then I'm deeply able to connect to the land. So it brings a deep s- stillness. I'm a very earth sign, I've got a lot of earth in my chart, so I love. And I react well to that earthiness that is in Buddhism. But there's a lot about Buddhism, the religion, the structure that I I can't swallow, you you know, that really um, challenges challenges me and um, which is why I like to be in a witchcraft tradition that's more ecstatic and expressive and external. But it's the the two of them to anchor together. So it's a it's a it's a constant um, conflict in me. Yeah, like it's a point of um, ra- growing edge. You know, like I sit with Buddhists and I sit with witches. Yeah, the Buddhists accept me more as a witch than witches accept me more as a Buddhist. <laughs> 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 and ain't that the <laughs> way' find really, really interesting, yeah so you know so um but that that's okay about it, so I don't know if if what it's what the practices give me the my witchcraft gives me a whole a bit more expansiveness into connecting with other things because Buddhism practices can be quite internal. Yes. However, there's a lot of shamanic shamanic sort of practices in Buddhism as well, you you know, so they're, you know, in different threads of Buddhism. So Buddhism's really complex. It's big and it responds to the land that it's on and all of those sorts of things. And so I don't actually participate in any of those shamanic practices of Buddhism because I think they belong to the land that they grew from. Yes. I um, do yeah. the meditative techniques and I, that, those sorts of things, and I draw my witchy sort of practices more from a Celtic s- space because that's the land that my, inherit, my, my ancestors come from. That's a thread that I can I feel comfortable to connect to. Yeah. I don't know if I've answered your question. No,
1: no I understand completely. Yeah,
0: because it's a, it's it's a, it's not a either or. It's a this no. and, and it's um, it's not a um. It's not that they're really what attracts me to them. Isn't that they are similar? It's their differences.
1: Uh yeah, I like that. That's perfect.
0: mm and I you know, and I can understand that we like I've never like I keep mostly my witchiness quite private, though yeah. in the last six years or so I've been I keep being drawn out like this doing this podcast now here I am like even more <laughs> like I'm just being pulled out like I'm out within the communities I'm beyond in that. beyond I'm I'm less so and so it's mm. um yeah
1: I think it was uh, like grasping for straws trying to speak to my family at one point. I think that was trying to explain a a sense of, because they understood the concept of reincarnation because of the popularity of things like Buddhism and and Hinduism. But, um, yeah, just I guess that I probably would have been just as well explaining Star Wars because I was trying to explain that concept that everything's connected. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And we didn't get into, you know, the, the... pain in the body is an illusion and all of that stuff. We just left it at animism. Just I thought that was good for the first <laughs> chat. <laughs> but, you yeah, know, it's so amazing. And so you, I, I wish I could be uh, having a practice similar to that now. I wish I was as strict to keep my yoga up. Is that something that you're doing during lockdown?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I have a, I try really hard to do a, medita- a meditation practice every day and, and, and most days do some yoga practice. I'm actually taking my business, I have a business called The Meditation Space, which um, is like somebody's just kicked the bucket out of it because it was all about hiring space for people to do things and yoga and meditation and practice and it's gone. I've not, it's gone. And of course, I don't fit into any categories to get government support as of at the moment. So it's all, we're taking it online. Um, When I say we, that's all of the Suzannes that are sitting here. We're taking it online. And um, so I'm running a yoga class online and I'm doing meditation online. And I also train our meditation teachers. So that's going online as well. So I'm in this sort of, turning in I'm turning into a virtual teacher a little bit like Theo like a, a yes,
1: look, I'm being dragged and screaming as well Suzanne <laughs> I am not tech literate this is a big thing for me mm. and even just doing the podcast like Theo and I talk all the time about the fact that we we the only way we were able to do this is that we have a wonderful producer Ash that was willing to put up with us and put it all together <laughs> <laughs> so I feel your pain but it is a, it's a brand new day and a, a new world so I guess this is the way we can best, um, well, one work and help ourselves, but like Fia was saying earlier, help other people and maintain our um, spiritual work and and do what we're meant to do.
0: Yeah, it is. It, it is. Um, you know, I guess I I lean back into a Buddhist philosophy at this time is that we never know what's going to happen. Mm. Like every moment is change, and just collectively at the moment we've been forced into seeing that in a real way
1: and yeah, nothing stays the same
0: nothing stays the same and we were living in a deluded a deluded state that everything was going to keep being the way it was and
1: it, it
0: never never was and never will be like that that's the
1: only silver lining in my anxiety is that normally this thing where I'm I feel like something terrible is happening mm. it is <laughs> <laughs> The one like refuge I've sort of gone. Well, there is a reason to have this heart pounding, you know, yeah. um, dry dry mouth feeling all the time. That that, that some penny just is going to drop from yeah. the sky because it is. And I didn't feel like life was normal anyway. <laughs> so at least now the outside world reflects how I feel. <laughs> as selfish <laughs> as that sounds, it's been the only thing that kind of it's totally okay. Yeah. Give myself permission to feel all the feelings about it.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. That. And,
1: and that that mindset and, and we have kind of in a way, my partner was even saying "It's kind of got to that place now where we're not resigned to our situation but not allowing every little thing, every little piece of news to kind of make us feel as though the um, sky is falling. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. To and taking a breath and just going, okay, this is happening now, so what's the next step?
0: Yeah, yeah. Good to keep away from the, uh, the collective energy. I sort of like lift the veil to it every now and then, see what's happening, and then put it down again because oh, it's full too nut
1: over here. Full mm. nut that. Yeah. I built a uh, a cubby fort uh, for the last four days, and I've been hiding in there with my dog. So <laughs> it's in here in the back.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a definitely a a challenging time. The just prior to this happening was I was really feeling like I, my business was struggling anyway because the bushfires took a lot, like it tipped a lot. Yeah, and then um, and I then I was feeling like I was a failed capitalist. You know that I had failed at having a business, and now I'm like feeling like, well, actually, it's not my fault. I can slip out of this sideways and and not. Wear the shame of a capitalistic failure, yeah. and and I'm proud of that. I'm proud. This is one of my new hats: failed capitalist. <laughs> 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 Hoorah! Hoorah!
2: <laughs> yeah, but you also never ran that business like a capitalist. No, I
0: no, I tried to bring. I tried to um, bring my beliefs and my energy and i did a lot of magic i ran it as a magical working really um and tried to hold that in the in in how i operated it so yeah you're right
2: yeah it's yeah um (laughs) i'm really curious about and i think a lot of people would be curious about your like a thread in your history was belonging to a women's collective and you all lived together in Adelaide, right? And some of you were in a coven together, I believe. Yes. I, I, it's an, I think it's an important part of history in terms of feminism and spirituality and witchcraft and gender. Uh, so I'm, I'd love if you could talk to us about that.
0: Okay. Um, so when, when I went to Adelaide, I met these uh, amazing women and we sort of congregated around uh, the idea of um, anarcho- anarcho-feminism. So uh, I wasn't so much a Marxist as, as an anarchist and the anarchists tended to be much more leaning towards earth-based spirituality um, group. And we lived in a few share houses together and um, we for, and then this book fell into our midst, which was uh, Spiral Dance by Starhawk. And so we started to work work that book, really, work work through the practices that seemed it was really speaking to us. Um, I was also like at that time uh, we were, you know, doing a lot of practices like um, mediumship and, and trancing and, some pretty doing some pretty crazy things Um, and we were like we were we were in Adelaide and we're the anarchist feminist collective and and a group of us were part of the this little coven that that we that we formed and it it taught me a lot about magic and and how to work and intentionality and and respect and a whole lot of stuff um i don't know
2: um can you can you give us some history on like you know i believe it was was it also i've heard you use the term lesbian separatist and i think you know for some for some people they don't know what that means they have ideas of what about what Mm. that is and you are holding this thread of particular history that i think is quite significant so
1: yeah
0: so at that time I labelled myself as a lesbian as a lesbian separatist and that, and that was I had nothing to do with any, I tried to have nothing to do with anything that was a male. And, um, and you know, I have a father and uh, brothers, even to that point, you know, like that I cut my contacts with them as, you know, as being the oppressor, as being representations in my life as, as the oppressor. And you know, I have some real heart pain around how horrible I was to them at that you know at that time. But we've we've made we've made amends at that that. So we so we I would never um, I wouldn't read anything written by a man. I wouldn't um, I would always try and use women women's business women's businesses. Um, we didn't have men come to our um to a house if we if somebody was like a plumber or something there was a whole lot of rigmarole that had to go on to let everybody else know that that person was coming um so it was a lifestyle choice and at that time it felt like a relief you know it, for me it felt like a relief i even took the kings out of my tarot card pack
1: <laughs> yes queen <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Look. <laughs> and then and then um you know so but not all of my not all of my sisters were as separatist. At you know so some of my closest would were not. One of my dearest friend was living with a man. You know so but we there was this conversation about about what it was and and how to do it. And, as I say, at the time, it was a real relief, and it was we were able to work around a lot of issues and 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 look at how um, the patriarchy existed in us. so we were always alert for threads of the patriarchy to uh, how it was penetrating into our minds and our beings and you know some of it, I think was harsh we were really harsh and and suffered. Um, and I would visit, like, places like women's lands on the cent- uh, up north, uh, central coast of New South Wales, her land and, and things like that, and travelled around in, like, we were a bunch of feral-looking, wild, wild, wild women. So I had all, also it had all, a lot of things, a disregard for how a woman should be. You know, so a lot of a lot of feminine things, and and I guess now a lot of us would we would say we were now looking down. I was going, oh, we we were trying to be in a non-binary space, but it was it was then, and now it's now. So, yeah.
2: I think what's interesting about that is, look, I never, I never look at groups of marginalized or oppressed people trying to find self-determination to carve out our own spaces or their own spaces and try to contrast and move away from, from those who might be intersecting as holding a lot of the, you know, the systematic privilege and, and oppressive status. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I never, like, when I think of lesbian separatism, I'm, like, valid. When I think of black power, valid. What mm-hmm. I think of, you know, and as myself, sometimes I just want to be around mixed race people and people of color because people who are white just won't understand those experiences. Yeah, so, yeah so I think, I never think it's like justifiable to like rip into those. I think it's in, we can critique anything, but I'm like, no, that's valid. And, um, and I think it's in a really important part of history. And I'm curious, Suzanne, how like you have a lot of male, what I call male formed people um, in your life and yes. like how, and also how is gender for you now as someone who like was critiquing gender back in the seventies and eighties, um, when kind of the binary was so thick and so strong mm. and and now in the past 20 years, 15 years, um, just that has been exploded. I mean, you know, there's still the binary in the sense that we have to react and respond to it. It's part of us just like racism, white supremacy, misogyny, patriarchy, mm. anti, anti-Aboriginality. Um, so how how has that evolved for you, your concepts and experiences of gender even within yourself?
0: Well, as I've become older, uh, that is that I feel more and more genderless, mm. you know personally. and um, I've also noticed that that is something that sometimes postmenopausal women like from my past that I've talked with have talked about. So I feel less and less gen- I feel less and less gendered, but of course I am and I have habits of dress and behavior that are um, uh, uh, feminized. You know, so th- th- and to me, they seem habits. Yeah. And and I ask myself, am I? Do I want to give them up? And I, you know what? I can't be bothered. I can't. Like a, it's like I, I am really excited about how the world is now around gender and the discussion about gender and people having opportunity to express themselves in in different ways and be non-binary and all of those. And perhaps I, if I was younger, perhaps I would take that on. You know, and and so, and I I think about it, and then I think, ha! I've got probably twenty years left if I'm lucky on the planet. Is that you know I'm prepared to support others. I'm just going to be myself with all the bits that are hanging off me.
1: I would say you you've you've done your part, and you can reduce her just by being your yourself, Suzanne.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's That's, yeah, yeah. Doing
1: yeah. the work that you do in the world, we, you know, we have to start with our own bubble, our own community, and move out. And I think that that you do that. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, I try and like questions. So I always question people around me when they make binary sort of statements or whatever. Yeah, you know, really, is it? How do you know that spider's a girl? You know, mm-hmm. how do you know? You just, and I've always done that. Yeah.
1: That's yeah. power that comes with crone wisdom, I think.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where the crone is. <laughs> she, No, seriously. She
1: was like, I think um, as my grandma, my, and this is my Irish English nana, and it had a lot to do as well with, um, you now I think of it, she had um, breast cancer. So she, you know, while she was in Australia and getting, getting on, and she was very like at that point, just cut them off. Like I'm good. And they've got nothing to do with who I am as a woman, anyway. And yeah. I remember being younger and seeing that change in her because she was always, you know, um, she was a proper English rose, and she was always keeping up appearances. So she was always really put together. And then, but she was always a tough country lady too. And I just remember it being just a non-issue for her yeah. and her becoming, you know, more and more herself uh, as as she grew older. Mm. I'm hoping that that's the case because fucked if I'm right now. Mm. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> but you know, I just think it. I think it's horrible that people should be labelled because of the the way that they, uh the the physical characteristics that they are born with. Yeah. You know, like I, I just really, really something that really irritates me and. You know, I watched a movie last night about that. One of the lines was, "Stop behaving like this." It's to about this skater, figure ice skating thing. And one of the lines was, "You're not a man, you're a woman." Oh. You know, you've got to represent this fifties ideal. Yeah, anyway, that I forget what her name's. Sonia, Sonia. That's what it is. That was it. But it was all of that, and it really, really and it pisses me off. You know <laughs> that it's not resolved. You yeah. know, when I was twenty, in my twenties, this was all going to be sorted. I'm really cross oh. that we're still in such a fucking mess. I, I
1: still go. It's 20, it, Like, what? What the
0: hell is going on? <laughs> mm, yeah, what, and, and, it's, it's,
1: and no, yeah. No. And we
0: and we are in an okay. We're we're in a co- lucky, privileged, like oh. not Africa or no. other countries that I have connection Russia,
1: with, right with, now. It is. Oh.
0: Hideous. Or, oh. Or even just in across the, the road, you know, people have these really
1: yep.
0: locked-up ideas. That's true, and it and it makes me cross. I, th-
2: I think what's the interesting part of all of this is that we are, you know, we're so quagmired in systems of oppression that have colonized our consciousness that so much of this languaging that evolves and that creates conflict sometimes between different groups is, is just an attempt is an earnest and deep attempt at expressing something very real. And, and just today, you know, I sign onto Facebook and what do I see again? Oh, another trans woman has been killed. And, you know, and, and so often do I sign on to social media and see that, you know, whether it's a cis woman or a trans woman and, and often it's a trans woman of color.
1: A woman of color as well. Yeah,
2: it's often a trans woman of color. And I'm just like, uh, like misogyny d- is so real and alive. Racism is so real and alive. And, mm. and, and I just, you know, I, I'm under no illusions though, that, that, <laughs> that it's going to be cleared up because there's just too many of us. And on the planet,
1: I'm just mm. telling everyone to hold their drink because it's only going to be another 20, 30 years and there'll be p- people of every, every imaginable colour, creed, sex, or no sex, and just there's no stopping this the tidal wave of, of people.
0: I so hope. I so oh, hope you for that. mate. Maybe, maybe, maybe when I pass over, I'll be able to work more effectively.
1: Yeah, <laughs> enjoy all of it and see it all. You'll be, you'll be such
2: a fun and furious mighty dead Suzanne. I'll definitely oh, have picture, pictures of you around.
0: Ancestor, please. <laughs> I think I'll be a bit naughty. Oh yeah, <laughs> you will. <laughs>
2: So you're also a visual artist and I like some like you do a lot of your magical process and practice through you know going into altered states and conjuring forth onto canvas or paper mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. these visions of your inner world and other world realities and mm. like what's what's that like that's something I don't know about at all so like could you tell us a bit about that
0: Well yeah I love I love I've always painted like always painted ever since I was little and studied and they gave up art at school to do serious subjects like science and geography and English and stuff. So so there's been this thread and but also I've been really drawn to the Surrealist movement and and also the women Surrealists like Leonora Carrington and Remedius Varro, like, you know, all these amazing oh, um, love, um,
1: love
0: magical that. people. And um, so I love this process of this and so you know i taught art and i'm a photographer i was went to uni did photography you know i can take an okay photo was interested in this sort of illusion the illusionary nature of photography i wrote a phd about it it's like it's you know it's a it's a thing that occupies my mind sometimes and then and then more recently i've been able to just like work on canvas uh, in a devotional way to to the go- to the goddesses and um, to and as a way of like learning. Like I never knew much about N- Norse mythology and the Norse pantheon, and so over the last two years, I did this huge painting about the, the Yggdrasil and the tree and all the different worlds and stuff. So I worked. It was like I, I listen to podcasts and musics while I'm working and reading and bringing and then dropping into my intuition and just bringing it all together on this big canvas. So it's um, something I don't have enough time to do, and it's a it's a really it's a you know it's a it's a it's a trippy experience and and it's it's very grounding, and it's a communication, so um you know, like I might dedicate, think that I'm going to work with this goddess for however long, or they say they want to do it, like that they, they you know they say we want this, and then we enter into a communication to create this um piece of artwork and it and it's a process like there's You know, like I smudged the canvas. I do. You write an intention under it. You know, recently at the beginning of the year, I started a a canvas to destroy and break the chains of karmic karmic and patriarchal uh, binds. Or I can't remember (laughs) the words. I'm not. I'm not good with words. Words aren't my friend. Um, Images are. And so, and then I made this beautiful. uh, what do you call and that sat on the canvas for mu- for about two months, until I worked out where I was going to go what was going to happen on the canvas. On top of that, and then when I did, actually, it was I think it was one of your workshops, Theo, and I did this. We did a trans process, and I ended up at the feet of this being, who's who then. Well, there was one layer was uh, uh, Michael, the angel Michael, and then then there was this other being that's now on the canvas, being who knows what will happen to it next. You know, so, it's this, it's, so it becomes very layered and I, I never know who's going to show up on the canvas or which aspect is going to come. And it's about my learning. It, they're really just my learnings and my communions. So that yeah, and and that all, but that also threads through from a surrealist tradition. Mm, yeah, yeah, and it's fun. I get messy, so <laughs> I also then you Good end up up should be objects, and that really irritates me. Too many objects, objects in the work, objects in the world, things, well, things. things. What do you do with things? In the end, there's nothing, and so all I'm doing is creating more things. I oh, gave no. up painting for a whole long time because I didn't want to make any more things.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I have that in my life a lot because I collect things, and I don't know if mm. I'm just like a magpie or a bowerbird. I just, my partner and my mum call them dust collectors. <laughs> And I can't go walking without finding feathers or finding shells or rocks or, you know, terrible, you know, paintings from op shops and bits of jewellery and things. I just can't help it. Mm. At the same time, you know, understanding that that is not cohesive with a, a peaceful home and a peaceful lifestyle. <laughs> so I fight myself on that. Maybe Perhaps this quarantine is helping me curb a little bit of it. Yeah, and I've got art and and bits and pieces. I studied art at school too, and I I um I have so many unfinished uh, canvases and projects and bits of fabric and bits of clay and all sorts of things that need sorting, mm. right? <laughs> collecting and and moving from place to place. So yeah. But it is, I think we've spoken about that on the podcast before, um, Theo as well, with that sense of that as artists we kind of channel or collect or just tap into something that exists above and and around us at all times, like the dreaming is, Mm. that we are just trying to be that conduit or that lightning in a bottle and Mm. never so much as with spirits, never Mm. so much as with God's. Mm. They find us. I know that's been happening with me the last week. Mm. <laughs> like, oh, you've got idle hands? Okay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, yeah. No, I, I um, correct me if I'm wrong and, and, and uh, I, I hope I'm not being presumptuous here. Theo was mentioning that you have a, a beautiful family and a beautiful extended family and also a mixed-race family and I wanted to ask about what that's like So I'm, I've, I've had people come up against some of the things I've said on our podcast about Australia being a beautiful um, multicultural society and that we, we will be the, the new New uh, South, the new New Orleans, where there are, you know, incredible cultures um, blending together and living together and, and, and empowering and, and, and growing culture in Australia. Um, what's it like for you raising um, a mixed race family and an adoptive family as well? Is is that correct? I hope I haven't yeah. got of the stick.
0: Yes, 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 yeah. I have, um, yeah, I have a mixed family, mixed, very mixed family. All family, all skill. Yeah, and but I was my. One of my closest friends, who was one of the women who was in the coven in Adelaide that we mentioned previously, went to um, long story, but ended up in Africa and ended up marrying in Africa, and um, and then she and her partner um, returned. I went to visit them. It's a long story, but they came back to Australia. She and her husband, her husband's an belly man, and they um, had. AIDS, and both died of AIDS. And they asked me to bring up their children. They had twin boys at the time, and the boys were three years old. And yes. and so I um, uh, did that. And um, and so I was. I had already, because of uh, my friend, I'd already spent a, a bit of time in Africa. And so I was already, had already been adopted into an African family sort of and had connections with that, with that family mm-hmm. and, um, and had been like, you know, these people, this family, like I was in Zimbabwe at the time when South Africa was still under apartheid. Mm-hmm. I met lots of ANC people. I, it, it was a very confronting time for my whiteness. Yeah. My, like I yeah I, I supported all these things then everything suddenly it was sitting on these issues were at the table with me like literally in, in the space so had a lot of um conf- uh, learning fast learning came back to Australia had the boys bring the boys into the world I also had was married to an African man for a while and yeah. I learned so much about mixed culture race all, all like so much mm. um, you know the, I, but mostly like personally challenging mm. I didn't realize what I'd learned until I saw outside you know I didn't realize how I'd in how I'd accepted so Africa some African uh Worth being around people of color until I was with people who weren't like that. Yeah. Do, you know, so it's really hard for me to say how it is. The boys, my boys growing up, have taught me so much. They keep teaching me more and more and more. And it's part of the daily conversation. Yeah. You know, like we used to play games on the TV, like when we were watching a movie, who's the first person that's going to die? You know, like we had this sort of jokey but awareness stuff. How is it? Australia's multicultural bullshit. You know, you're multicultural if you want to be white. Yeah. Like if you want to bring your brown skin and be white, then you we're multicultural. Then it's okay. Yeah. And then it's okay. But if you, you know, like you've got to correct your language, you got to correct how you walk, you got to correct how you say. And, no. you know, and I've done that too. I was terrible. I was, when I was even married to an African man, I was telling him how to speak English until one day it, like, hit me on the head and I think, oh, my God, Suzanne, what you, no. this is so wrong. You, you know, but I wasn't, you, you know, like, anyway. So... The boys have been my greatest teacher in in, yeah. in this and, and not in that they say, Oh Mum, look at this or this or this, yeah. but because of what how I see people react to them. Yeah. Like when they were one time for example, I they went into a shop when they were young, about eight, they went into a shop in front of me and they and you know, I said, go in and get a lolly or whatever you do when you know, go and I'll be in, I'll be in a so, so I went in and they like wandering around the shop looking at stuff. It's a grocery shop, and this guy who owns the shop is following them. Mm. And I just went, Oh, I walked up to this guy and I said, Is there a problem? Because I think, oh my god, what have they done? Because they're naughty, you know, like they've <laughs> picked something or they've done something. You know, that was and I said, What have they done? Or they've said something, and he said. Oh oh, 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 you know he's all okay. sort of like, uh, uh, uh. and I said, oh, "What have my boy, what have my sons done?" And he's oh, nothing, you know, he's just yeah. following them. And then after I said to the boys, I said, "What the hell is going on?" And they said, "Oh, that always happens, mom." Right. Uh, and it still always happens. Yeah, you know they're thirty now; it still happens. Hmm. And, you know, they, you know, I've been stopped by the police when I've been talking to my, fr- my, my own teenage sons and their friends and asking if I'm okay. You know, like I go, yes, I'm okay talking to my sons. Why wouldn't I be okay? Mm. But, you know, so I don't believe that Australia is multicultural. Yeah. We we are what one of my um, dear Indigenous friends said. We are cultural cannibalizers. Yeah. We eat other cultures, you know. English culture, it, you know, because it is sort of that European. It eats other culture and makes it our own. Yeah. Even la- English language is just a cannibalization of a thousand other languages. Yeah. It, all the words we use, it's it's just like, <laughs> and in in accepting it. We, we feel like we're all multicultural yeah yeah I have zucchinis I eat yogurt now I didn't used to when I was a kid you know oh how multicultural am I but really I don't uh, know
1: I don't know I, I think I'm I'm looking from a I have to realize I look from a privileged position where my mom and my family and and my upbringing allowed me to be that way where a lot of people aren't and it's only been when I've been with my friends um, who who have either immigrated or are first, second, third, mm. fourth, fucking sixth generation Australian get pulled up and I've had to again, like you were saying, mm. come come face to face with my privilege mm. and know that if the situation was reversed or, you know, if I if yeah, if I didn't happen to, to look the way I did and sound the way I did, that I wouldn't have gotten out of the messes that we had been put into and we were only picked out because of the way that my my company looked, my friends, my, my, mm. my allies looked. Yeah. yeah. I understand that it, it's, it sounds like a naive, um, like, uh, hopeful, I know silly way to put it, that Australia is multicultural. I, but yeah, we got so, we've got so long to go. We can't even really acknowledge our first nations people. That it, really that exactly. Character. I just I, think that see the, um, potential of yeah. all, uh, cultures and I fucking, um, I have benefited from them mm-hmm. uh, personally. And so I feel as though I have access to cultures that I, I would never have mm. had access to unless mm. i grown up in the cities I had and the way I had. But uh, when I look at Australia, yes. Yeah.
2: I think there is a tension between the aspiration for multiculturalism, but also the reality that actually they're like most cultures within Australia keep to themselves
1: mm, yeah. um,
2: and yes there are the days and the multicultural fairs or you know the Greek you know the Greek festival the Indian festival or the whatever festival in which food is shared and dance is shared but other than very individual or family relationships like the yeah. like whiteness is so strong in Australia mm-hmm. and so unexamined by so many people mm-hmm. And, it's, and whiteness preferences itself, it prioritises itself, it constantly listens only to itself. Mm. And um, so even though, yes, there are so many different ethnic groups in Australia and also, I don't know, like I think 300, like, you know, Indigenous cultures, and um, there is such a partitioning between mm. them. And, mm. the, and if I look at Parliament, which is meant to represent us, I just see a s- whiteness.
1: Many, many different.
0: Yeah. Their night. yeah yeah yeah. i i you one of the things that i where is that i work in is as a chaplain at a local hospital mm. and so th- and this issue comes like there's a a really beautiful man on the committee who is muslim who is also a person of color and fuck me like he Every time he speaks, he apologizes for being Islamic. No, and he's an elder in his community. Yeah, see that's... And I just very, go no. Yeah. I mean, I don't do that personally. I, I just think go. that's why
1: my witchcraft and and my um, practice override everything. And maybe that's why again that is a position of privilege because I I would automatically treat someone who was an elder of any of any race and, and, and especially within a First Nations or an African or Islamic tradition with great respect mm-hmm. because that's the way I was taught. And I was very lucky that I got to spend a lot of my time with very close family, friends and very like mm. where I felt as though I yeah, I belonged in some way and I was I was included despite what I looked like and oh, I wish other people had that that viewpoint.
0: Yeah. Yeah
1: like yeah but we
0: have we have a long way to go and as my mum tells
1: me I'm rushing things like do you not know how much has changed since the 60s and the 70s in Australia you know um we're we're talking we're having discussions now in Australia about things we never were before but I'm like it's not enough it's just common sense that we're all equal like I'm just like you know Australias they're gonna you know why Australia is going to go kicking and screaming into this next re- you know revolution. We're finally being made aware of frontier wars. We're finally being made aware of like the direct effect we've had mm. on Australia. And it's, I thought well, I can only hope that our awareness is going to get bigger and bigger with the next lot of kids going to school after we go back to quarantine because I mm. changes a lot. We've got so so far to go.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to be always hopeful. Like I, I'm angry that things haven't changed as much, but things have really changed a lot. Yeah, and it's just, but I just wish we'd be a little bit more respectful of our each other. And the, you know, it, it's it's it, you know, yeah, it's, it really makes me very cross, and it's a challenge to my practice to remain calm. And happy and and present and (laughs) be patient
1: and compassionate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And
1: empathetic and try and hold that, that space even though well, because and sometimes I, rage is important, you know. Like I rage think, is I, really I think that
2: I think that the the I, stereotype of you know angry black and angry brown people is so strong because whiteness can't deal with like strong emotion. Like, yeah. you know, like when exactly. I say whiteness, I'm not Thomas. talking about white people. I'm talking about this. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. But, no, I'm, but I'm. But I. But also, whiteness is entrained to be quiet and complicit, mm. and. Um, but also preference itself. But like, you know, what I learn from my heritage as a mixed race person and also from my indigenous friends and just, and my black friends in the the United States is like anger is powerful and it sucks sometimes to be always the ones carrying it, Mm -hmm. therefore Mm -hmm. be caught in that trope, but it's so powerful and it should be valued. Anger is a sign that something is wrong and that we have Mm -hmm. to be passionate about, Mm about, about the medicine of it. And I think, you know more anger and more rage channeled in creative beautiful passionate ways is actually a really constructive thing.
1: I do feel that's part of our legacy as well as as witches as those on their edge that we would rage against. We're not going to go gently into the night on, no. on oppression. We're not going to sit by and let this sort of thing happen in front of us because we are a part of that. We always have been and always will be. Mm. But yeah,
0: I think rage and anger are really important, but that also for me to hold that all the time is really yeah. exhausting. Well,
1: yeah, and that's um, where I found my anxiety attacks were coming from.
0: Yeah, and it ways to find ways to channel. Yeah, ways to you know to find ways to uh, to to you know that are healthy for me.
2: To judge, yeah, it's, it's different. Is- it's different for us all. I think as Mm. well that, you know, I, like I, I just have these critiques, right? So of course I, I'm going to bring them up. But I just I feel like that um, do it, you know, do that, it. That hmm. it's all just important to remember that each of us is an individual, but the individual is connected to history. This is why I'm such a like di- like a disciple of learning histories hmm. because hmm. and there are histories, right? It's plural hmm. if we don't if we don't invest, people think it's abstract. It's not abstract. It informs every single fucking yeah. thing. Yeah, and I'm like part dude, of it right now.
1: The what, exactly. The something that will will go down in history we're
2: yeah. a part of it yeah. now yeah so yeah. i just think all our stories are so important and why i'm really passionate about this podcast is because we're bringing um, stories up from people who don't normally get like listened to mm. and and this what i'm loving is that you know this is our first year the completion of our first year from sawan to sawan in the south and what i've what i've heard and just been surprised at like for what was just like this fun like quirky Mm -hmm. passion project for me and Brody Ann has become like a thing where, you know, I'll walk, I'll be around in the United States and people will be like, oh, I listen to your podcast and Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even know this person. And Mm -hmm. it's just, and I'm so happy to be able to amplify certain stories we've had. Like we've had people of African descent, people of Aboriginal descent, you know, yourself, Suzanne Ray of, of, you know, I think you're like largely of Welsh descent, but just like your mixed experience and... Mm It's just so powerful to have different people um, talking about such mm.
1: interesting if nothing things. nothing else, that's been part of my, you know, if I can create space and create a platform and all of the wonderful people that have been willing to talk to us and, and lend their experience and their time and share their, their culture and their personal experience of what mm. it is right now, that's been the most incredible thing. Mm. Yeah, and I'm it's, so glad that we've been able to speak to you today, Suzanne, and to, yeah. to get to meet you. Like You you are a bit of an inspiration. I'm not going to make you feel too uncomfortable, <laughs> but I'm going to say that it, that it is wonderful to speak to you. I think it's important that um, a lot of Australians and a lot of people overseas in, in our uh, family, our magical family, get to, get to speak to you.
0: Mm, thank you. It's been really, really good. To um, to chatter away, to listen to myself.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what it's been, I say? It. Look, don't yeah. listen back to it. That's my that's my advice. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once it's done. That's it. It's like hearing <laughs> yourself back on a, an answering machine. It's bloody awful. It's, no, I'm no. Like, no
0: I, I, I'm like that. I'm more more the the conversation. I've really enjoyed it, and oh, good.
1: Uh, oh, you
0: know, me that, too. You know that sort of yeah. I'd love love to talk with you more. Not necessarily love to
1: have online.
2: Have you? <laughs> so, how do we get in touch with your business, your works as Enray? Plug, plug, plug. Tell us all the things. Uh, plug,
0: plug, plug. You so, the, the, you can find me on Ishtar's Drum on Facebook. Um, you can find me at the Meditation Space, um, which is the Meditation Space Campbelltown, which is. Uh, www.themeditationspace.com.au and you can also find me at the Meditation Teacher Training College, all of which are undergoing a great transformation at this space. As, as I'll, be, I'll are. be there and offering things to the world and love to have you all come join me.
1: Uh.
2: Thank you so much, Suzanne right, and Brodianne. I look forward
0: to when we can meet in person and
1: thank you so much for being here and, and you guys both for, for you for organising this and um, Ash for putting it together and for everyone who's listening right now, I hope wherever you are in the world that you're well and that you're with family and you have everything that you need and if not, that the universe, the gods and your ancestors watch over you and and provide I'm um, thinking of everyone, and this has been really beautiful. Thank you, guys. Mwah! Mwah! We lay upon the hill that lay beneath the wolf sky Without the dark clouds falling and a moment of apparition How the thunder rolling? How conceited the storm will live beneath Sky. This has been the Antipodean Arts Podcast. Music by Wendy Rule. The song is Wolf Sky.